Thanks, guys. Good morning. I'm glad you guys are all here today. What a beautiful morning. Walked outside and it's like, I think fall is here. And I love it. What a beautiful morning. I'm glad you guys are here this morning. Let's open with a word of prayer and then we're going to do our welcoming time today. Lord Jesus, I thank you, uh, God, for the opportunity to be here today, Lord, to fellowship with my brothers and sisters, Lord, to worship you in song in giving and in the preaching and teaching of your word today. Bless our time together, Lord. I thank you for this beautiful weather you've given us, a beautiful fall day, and just fellowship and excitement. There's so many things to be excited about, and uh, God, I just love you, and I thank you for the opportunity to be here today. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Take a couple of minutes this morning. Welcome, everyone.
guys are going this morning. All right. You may be seated this morning. All right, a couple of announcements. Um, they wanted me to tell you tonight, men's Bible study, 6 o'clock here at the church. They are also working through the whole armor of God. They're going to be on the helmet of salvation this week. So 6 o'clock. They have dinner. I'm assuming dinner like normal probably, right? Dinner tonight. Yep, they'll have dinner tonight. Uh, and then men's Bible study uh, at 6 o'clock here at the church. Wednesday nights, and we have some visitors this morning. Wednesday nights, we have dinner at 6 o'clock with one another. And then at 6.45, we have kids' classes, youth classes, and adult classes every Wednesday night. So if you haven't been on Wednesday night, please come. We have a good time uh, with one another on Wednesday nights. This morning, really quick, after the morning service, not going to take long, we have a very short business meeting. We'll hand out the church financial report. We've got a couple other things to cover, uh, but it'll be pretty quick. But this morning, after morning service, we have a business meeting. Next Sunday, it is getting cold, but I'm still going to do it. Baptism at the river next Sunday after morning service. So if you have questions about baptism, please come and, and talk to me this week. Send me a message. Uh, let me know. We also have Fall Fest coming up. Fall Fest is going to be October 23rd at Stephen and Dana's. Dana is going to come up this morning and give us, thanks Ben, uh, Dana is going to come up and give us some information about Fall Fest. One thing they asked me to do, see, you guys know Stephen and Dana, they have been involved, very much involved with this church body. Yep. They moved here from Los Angeles. And at this last week, she asked us, uh, <laughs> LA is a bad thing, not you guys, okay? <laughs> so, so they moved here from Los Angeles. And she asked me this week, she, she sent me a message, she said, hey, can you do the bonfire for Fall Fest? And I'm like, yeah, but I don't think she understands what bonfires in Missouri look like. <laughs> A bonfire in California is a little bitty fire pit of stone. In Missouri, we drop trees on our bonfires, right? I mean, we get going. So you come to Fall Fest for the bonfire and bring your chainsaw, and we're going to clear some land off and have a bonfire, all right? So here's some information uh, from Dana on Fall Fest. Okay, first of all, I hate talking in front of people, so sorry. Um, okay, so for Fall Fest, what we decided to do is we kind of want to make it more about kids um, I don't know what it was like last year. Obviously, I wasn't here. But uh, we want to start with a kickball game. So hopefully about 2.30-ish, um, have a kickball game. And for those of you guys who know, a lot of times, you know, we like to fall at kickball games um, so that, the, you know, so the kids do really awesome. Um, so well, that's going to be about 2.30. And then we'll have cornhole tournaments, um, volleyball. We have carnival games. Our the youth has said that they will help us run the carnival games for like an hour or so, so the kids can earn a bunch of prizes. Um, and then um, I've heard that the, the older kids go on a really fun ride at night. Um, so Steve has his tractor and his flatbed and everything ready for that. Um, yes. At our house, yes. 2401 Turnbow Road, Sunday, October 23rd. <laughs> Five o'clock, correct? 2.30 at 2.30. 2.30. Bonfire is going to be at five. You don't want to miss the bonfire, I'm telling you. That's all he cares about, the bonfire. So <laughs> she, she asked the wrong person. She just doesn't know. <laughs> well, Steve actually cleared out a big area on the pasture next door for a fire, so he might have to clear a little bit more. But, yeah, please, anytime you guys want to come clear chainsaws, anyone during the day, neither of us are working right now, so come over and clear wood. We have a lot of wood to clear. Um, so anyway, that'll be the chili cook-off is going to happen. Um, so we hope you guys sign up for the chili cook-off. 
She has a chili cook-off and also a sign-up sheet for how many people are coming to the event. Um, there'll be pumpkin rides for the littles and then um, just a bunch of more stuff. So it should be a really fun night. So if you want to bring a dessert or something, feel free to bring something. We will have everything there, um, but please bring a chair. We don't have a ton of chairs at our house, so please bring a chair, and that's all you really have to bring. So the main things, sign up. We're going to have a bonfire, and one thing she didn't mention, at the bonfire, we're going to have s'mores. Everything else is just like, everything else is, is garnish. As long as you have a, a bonfire and s'mores, everything else is garnish, guys. We're good. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Activities Team and Dana, for putting that together. So Sunday, October 23rd is when that is at 2.30 uh, p.m. So, yeah, it's going to be fun. I'm excited. Um, all right. So, Sierra, where is the paper? Okay. We have every year, Wednesday, October 26th, we have a big thing for the kids uh, at the end of fall. So it, what we're going to do is going to be a little bit different this year. It, we call it Happy Hallelujah Night, but what we're going to do, instead of having games up here, she would like to have eight or ten groups of people. You can form groups or you can do it individually. Set up a table around the outside here and decorate it. Nothing scary, nothing scary, uh, but decorate it and pass out candy and have a, you'll, you'll have a game assigned to that table. So if you would like to be one of the people that does that table on Wednesday night, October 26th, please let Sierra know. We want to try to get at least eight tables set up. We'll have pizza at 6 o'clock that night, and then there'll be those tables set up. So please get with her uh, on questions, if you have any questions on that. Sign-up sheet in the hall. Okay, sign-up sheet in the hall for that. I know we got a busy month, but it'll be a great week. That's going to be a fun week. So please sign up if you'd like to help her with that. Church softball game. Tommy said a win, 23-1 to one this week. Man. All right. When do they play Monday? Tomorrow night at 545 on A Highway uh, Church softball team plays. Operation Christmas Child is going to be here before we know it. Uh, there's the list. We have lists to bring in items to fill the shoe boxes for Franklin Graham Samaritan's Purse. So please sign up if you can or bring those, not sign up, but bring those items in. And we're going to try to fill approximately 50 shoe boxes uh, for that. And then another big week, we have one newlywed couple here that is back, all right? We're going to have another set of newlyweds that are, gonna, are getting married, yep. This Friday night, they wanted to be announced. You guys are all invited to their wedding this Friday night. Mike and Barb, you guys want to stand up? Go ahead, Barb. Go ahead. Come on, Barb. Yeah. Yeah. This Friday night at 7 o'clock here at the church. 7 o'clock here at the church this Friday night. Did I forget anything on announcements? I don't think I did, but yes, I did. Alan, yeah. Okay. You get to use the mic, too. All right. Yeah, come here. Selena has to get up here? Come yeah. on up, honey. Come up here. Come up here. Okay. This is Pastor Appreciation Month. Okay. And here, here's what I want you to do, church. I'm, I'm going to count to three. And I want you all to tell them you love them. 
just say, I love you. Okay, here we Even go. Even if you really don't, okay? Here, <laughs> here we go. One, two, three. Thank you. My kids didn't say it, though. What's the deal? <laughs> hey, we really love you. I love you guys, too. Thank you, Alan. I love you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you, Alan. <laughs> there. Let me get this to the missus. Thank you, guys. Thank you. We had a busy month, and I, I love this church. And if I hadn't told you about the bonfire yet, you know about the bonfire, okay? All right, everybody stand. Let's take up our morning offering this morning. Let's have a word of prayer. We'll bless our offering and have our worship time before we jump into God's word together. So bow your heads with me as we pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you, uh, God, this morning for the opportunity to be here uh, to worship with my family, my brothers and sisters, Lord, that, that are in you. And that's so important. I'm thankful for this church body, and I love them, Lord. And Lord, just uh, be with us today as we worship you in, in song. Lord, in giving, that we give you, give you our best, God. Everything is yours anyway. We're just managers. So let us be good managers this morning, Lord. Take it to further your kingdom. And in all things, Lord, we love you and thank you. In your name I pray. Amen.
So we're going to do Amazing Grace a little different this morning. So, uh, you know, a lot of people get tripped up on music. Thank you, guys. Great job this morning. Uh, children, second grade and below, you can go downstairs to Children's Church this morning if you'd like to. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, this morning. You know where we're going, right? Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. So, hey, thank you, Alan. Thank you for coming up and, and church. Thank you, guys, for that. Thank you for, even though she doesn't like to get up here in front of everybody, thank you for bringing Celine up here. Um, tomorrow, tomorrow... She has put up with me for 19 years of marriage tomorrow. That is a miracle from the good Lord in itself that she's put up with me for 19 years. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. 
It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able, you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and his shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given of the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, pay attention to this, take up the shield of faith, which, we, which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end. Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplications for all the saints. Let us pray again together. Lord Jesus, I thank you again for the opportunity to be here this morning, Lord, to preach and teach your word. God, Satan is shooting darts all the time, Lord. And, and I, I want to talk about this subject every single year, and I have failed to do that. I, I know it's been a couple, a couple of years probably, Lord, since I've spoke about this, and it's just so important. It's foundational uh, for, for us as followers of yours. And so this morning, uh, God, I pray that you are glorified and edified and this church is, this church is um, Lord, just brought closer to you this morning and your mission that we have, uh, that you've given us as a church. And so, God, we love you and I thank you. In your name I pray. Amen. All right, so, guys, there's, there's well, let me start with this, I guess. Not even my notes, but November 15th. 2015, you guys, the day that I became the pastor here. It's been about seven years ago. The second sermon that I ever preached at this church was on this topic. And it's on forgiveness. This is so important. It's one of the things that I said I need to preach on every single year. Every single year. Because I want to tell you, I need to hear it at least once a year myself. But this is a, unforgiveness is one of the darts that Satan is going to shoot at you in your life. He is going to shoot it over and over throughout your life. And he is going to shoot it at the church. At the church. And so this is something that um, is just very, very important. And it can cause us, as followers of Christ, to stumble. To stumble around. When I think of stumbling around, when you read, read scripture and it talks about not, and we'll read it, not making your brother stumble. It reminds, I love, the, I love old western movies. And one of, the, one of the popular movies when I was a kid uh, was Old Yeller, when Old Yeller came out. And if you remember the scene where Old Rose, their, their milking cow, she got rabies. And what was she doing? Stumbling around, right? And she couldn't keep her balance and she, had, she was just sick. She was sick, and it was, it was a, a big concern. And if there's one thing, folks, that can cause us as followers of Christ to stumble, this is it. It can cause other people to stumble. So forgiveness. This is one of Satan's fiery darts at the church. The definition of forgive is to stop feeling angry or resentful towards someone for an offense, a flaw, or a mistake. The synonyms are to pardon, excuse, or absolve. So it's not to hold resentment, a grudge, or, or no ill will towards someone. This is, I think, one of the most difficult concepts for us to understand. It's one of the most biblical concepts that's just hard to understand. Our human nature tells us that when someone does something to us, 
that we should either turn our back on them or turn our back and back away from them or fight them. Basically, either fight or flight. We're either going to fight it out or I'm going to run away from them. And I don't want to have anything to do with them. This concept of biblical forgiveness is so foreign to us. And it only can happen when we have a relationship with Christ that we really start to realize what this is. So there are, there are three things that I want to talk about today that have to deal with forgiveness. And the first one is this. Uh, we have to start with this because it's so foundational. Christ's forgiveness towards us. The first thing that we have to do that we realize when we become followers of Christ is that we're in need of forgiveness, that we have violated a holy God. Many times it is so easy for us, talked about this morning with a couple, it's so easy for us to look and want to compare ourselves to the world. Every time we make a comparison between us and someone in the world, we are always going to make a favorable comparison. Like if I compare myself to Charles Manson, I'm going to look pretty good, right? Real easy to compare yourself with somebody who is, society would say is a horrible person. That's not who we're supposed to be comparing ourselves to. to. Our comparison should be to who? A holy and perfect God. A holy and perfect God. If I compare myself to God, I start to realize real quick that I am not perfect. That I have a lot of faults and failures. If I compare myself to a holy God, it causes me to do something. And that is humble myself. I start to humble myself. Because I realize that I have sinned and I have fallen far short of God's glory. That's Romans 3.23. It says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The first thing that people real, have to realize is that they're not a biblically good person. That they've sinned and violated a holy God. Hebrews 9.22 says this. What did God do about that? Hebrews 9.22 says without the shedding of blood there is no remission of sin. So Jesus went to the cross and he died as a way for us to be forgiven from our sin. Romans 5.8 says that. God demonstrated his love for us that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. So how do we receive that forgiveness from our sins from God? Scripture, always go back to Scripture, it tells us. Romans 10.9 and 10 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised from the dead, you will be saved. So what do we have to do? We have to believe in who Jesus is. We can't earn our way into heaven. There's no amount of good deeds that I can do. You put your faith and trust in who Christ was, in what he did on the cross. That's it. There's nothing I can do. We talk a lot about serving. We talk a lot about serving the kingdom and, and being involved and serving others and serving the Lord, right? There's no amount of service that you can do that can overcome your sin. Or earn your way into heaven. Ephesians 2.9 says that. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. So none of us can boast about it. So we can't say, well, I've done all this and I've done this and so now that I'm saved. God loves us so much that he sent his son to die for us. That's how we're forgiven. Now, you think about that. I want you to really make this personal this morning. I want you to make this personal. That God sent his son to die 
for you. For you. How many of you have kids in here? I've said this before. A bunch of you. A bunch of you have children. Would you send your son to die for somebody? Ain't no way. I'm being honest with you. There's no way I would send one of my kids to die for any of you. I'm just being honest, right? That's what God did for us. That's amazing love. There's that song, right? There's a song I think called Amazing Love. How could it be that you would die for me? That's amazing. It's amazing. God wants to forgive you so bad. He wants to absolve your sins so bad that he sent his son to die for you. That's amazing. So my brothers and sisters in here this morning, I want you to think about your life that you've lived and all the things that you've done in your life that have violated a holy God. I want you to think about all the sin that you have in your life and what you've done. From the minute you realize what sin was up until today, I want you to think about that. And I want you to think about how much God's forgiven you from. Now, I want you to remember that. That's the first point. I want us to remember how much God has forgiven us from. Here's the second thing on forgiveness. We have to learn to forgive ourselves. You have got to learn to forgive yourself. 1 John 1.9 says this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So that means when I confess my sin to God, what does he do? He is faithful and just. It's not dependent upon me. He forgives us. When you confess your sin to God, he forgives you. And he cleanses you from that sin. He cleanses you from unrighteousness. The first step in forgiving yourself from your past is believing that verse. Believing scripture. Psalms 103.12 says he has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. I explain this to people all the time. I know I have to you. How far is east from west? It's infinite. If I start heading west, I'm always going to head west. God knew what he was doing when he wrote east from west. Because if I start to head north, I'm going to eventually head south. Right? Not east and west. He, that's how far he removes it. And so when God forgives you, you are forgiven. You are forgiven. Now what does Satan do? This is how it's a dart. There's multiple ways that he uses this as a flaming dart. Satan is going to try to deceive you. To remind you of your past. You know, it's what he does. He says things like, you're not good enough. You're not good enough. How can you serve? How, can, how do you think you're good enough to walk into a church? You ever heard anybody say that? Well, if I walk into a church, I'll catch on fire, right? You know what that is? That's Satan telling them. That's Satan reminding them of who they were. You're not good enough. You can't serve. Don't you remember who you are? The, I want to tell you the most powerful examples of servants and disciples of Christ in Scripture are men with a very checkered past. Very checkered past. I want you to think of these examples. Paul, a murderer of Christians, a persecutor of Christians. He wrote 13, probably, not for sure, but probably 14 books of the New Testament was inspired by God. King David, we think of King David, murderer, murderer. He killed a friend of his because he wanted to sleep with his buddy's wife. Had him murdered 
Because he'd gotten himself into trouble. He had an affair and he got in trouble and she got pregnant. And his solution was, well, I'm just going to kill the guy then. Peter, who Jesus says, you're the rock that I'm going to build my church upon. Peter denied even knowing Jesus. Abraham. Abraham didn't trust God enough in his early life. He lied about who his wife was. She was so pretty that, that he thought, well, the Egyptians are going to kill me. So I'm just going to tell everybody she's my sister. And Pharaoh took her to his house. That's, I mean, these are the examples. Moses. Moses murdered an Egyptian. Moses stood before God and said, I don't know if I'm good enough. Moses had severe doubt in his life. I don't know if I can speak to, 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 to uh, Pharaoh. I don't know, God. Send, send somebody else. Samson, strongest man in the Bible, very lustful. Matthew, one of my favorite books in the Bible. Tax collector, thief. That's amazing. It's amazing when you see what God did with their lives. It's amazing. That should encourage you today. And you to understand that when Satan says, you can't do that. You did this in your life. You know what? Yes, you can. God doesn't tolerate human pride at all. So you know what he does? He chooses people who have nothing to brag about. And he uses them. He uses them. Christ set us free from our past, brothers and sisters. He set us free. So why go back and wallow in our sin and think about our sin? Galatians 5.1 says, For freedom in Christ has set us free. Stand firm and don't submit to the yoke of slavery. You know what the yoke of slavery he was talking about? Paul was talking about? About trying to be good enough or to keep the law in order to be saved. Don't do that. Put your faith and trust in who Christ is and him alone. Stop giving, going back to the memories of your old life. Stop going back to your old sins. Listen, when Jesus died for us on the cross, what happened to our sin? Our sins were nailed to the cross with Jesus. So you're free. You're free. You can live in freedom. 2 Corinthians 3.17 tells us that. It says, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where does the Spirit of the Lord live? Think about this. Where does the Spirit of the Lord live? In us. In us. He lives in us. We're the, he had the Holy Spirit in our hearts. Now here's the third thing. And this is, this is what Satan does. He, he, he attacks. This is how he shoots darts. Forgiving others. Luke 17. Turn to Luke chapter 17. Verses 3 and 4. Let's start in verse 1. 17, verse 1. We'll read 1 through 4. It says, And he said to his disciples, Temptations to sin are sure to come, but woe to the one through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and were cast into the sea than he should cause one of these little ones to sin. Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him, and if he repents... Forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. You must forgive him. Now, in the King James Version of those verses, you know what he says there? It says, thou shalt forgive him. Now, it got me thinking when I read different translations of these verses and I look at them. Where else, is it, else in the Bible does it say thou shalt? 
What are you guys thinking about? Ten Commandments, right? Exodus chapter 20, the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt do this. So what is Jesus doing there? He's commanding. He's using strong language. He's commanding us to forgive one another. So what does that mean if I'm a follower of Christ? It means that's not an option. Not forgiving somebody is just not an option. Not, it's just not an option. There are too many times when we forget the first part of this sermon and how much God forgave us from, and we say, I, I don't want to forgive them. I don't want to forgive them. Just for, when you have that spirit, and, and do we have that? And can we be honest this morning? Do, is there ever a time in our life where you say, I'm just done with that person? Man, they're so aggravating me. Ugh! I'm sure in 19 years of marriage, my wife has thought that, right? And thankful she forgives. Yes, there is. And when times like that, Satan is attacking. He's attacking. He's attacking. And we have to remember how much we've been forgiven from. Now, here's how I know Satan does this. Because I'm telling you, I'm just being honest with you. There are people that we see out in town that if you were to run into them on an aisle of Walmart, you quickly change aisles. Am I right or not? Those are people you hold unforgiveness towards. Or people that you walk, you see walking, you're like, I want to avoid them, walk to the other side of the street. Or you won't go in their business, or you just don't, don't want to talk to them. Listen, that has an effect on us. The, here's, here's what scripture says with this. There's consequences for us not being forgiven, not forgiving people. Mark 11.25. Mark 11.25. It says this, whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone so that your Father, also is in heaven, may forgive your trespasses. So if the same measure of forgiveness that we are using is the same measure of forgiveness that God uses with us. Ooh. Think about that. Think about that. Well, our attitude sometimes, and I, I get it. I, and I'm, I, You know why I need to preach this sermon every year, honestly? Because of me. Because I'm mean sometimes, and I'm gruff, and I'm just rough around the edges. I'm being honest with you. Well, they're just not a very nice person. And they aren't half the person that I am. And, and, I, and I, they're, just, ugh, they're just a horrible, horrible person. If that's, if that's what you're thinking right now, go home and press reset and listen to the first part of the sermon again. And think about how much God's forgiven you from. Because that's what we have to relate back to. Listen, this affects our personal relationship with God when we don't forgive people. Matthew chapter 5. Turn over to Matthew chapter 5. Jesus, Jesus doesn't make this easy to be one of his followers, guys. He takes the standard of the law and he braces it up here is what he does. And that's what he does here. Matthew, Matthew 5, 23 through 26. Once again, let's start in verse 21. 21 through 26. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. What's he quoting there? Exodus 20. Thou shalt not murder. Here's verse 22. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother 
will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. What's Jesus saying? He's saying if you're angry and you curse your brother, what have you done? Murdered him. You've murdered him. And no liars, thieves, or murderers are going to have their share of the kingdom of heaven. That's what 1 Corinthians chapter 6 says. Revelation says the same thing. All right, let's keep going here. So here's what he says. This, uh, th- now he gives us, okay, you're angry at somebody, somebody's sin, now I'm going to tell you how to absolve it. In verse 23, so if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you're going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard, and you be put in prison. Truly, I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. Man. So Jesus says... You're, in, you're offering your gift at the altar, which when we offer our gifts, what are we doing? It is an act of what? Praise and worship, right? So when you're worshiping God, if you remember that you're angry with someone or someone's angry with you, Jesus says, leave it there. Don't worship me. Don't sing my praises. Don't give to me. Go and be reconciled to your brother. Go and get that right. Then come and offer your gift. Then come and worship me. That's what Jesus is saying. In verse 25 it says, come to terms quickly. What does that mean? That means get it done. Now here's the other thing. That doesn't mean, I'm so guilty of this. Man, I'm so guilty of this. It's convicting. I I will argue the fact till I'm dead sometimes whether I'm guilty or not. Anybody ever do that? Please tell me there's somebody else in this room like me. Jeff, you did this. Well, not really. I didn't do that. I mean, no, that wasn't really. That's not coming to terms quickly. You can remind me of my own sermon this week, family, okay? You can. Coming to terms quick, that's not. Listen, whether you think, when I say you, I'm talking about me. Whether I think I'm guilty or not, it doesn't even matter. Your brother thinks you are. And if you try to argue the point, you know what you're doing? Being a stumbling block in front of him. So it doesn't matter whether you think you're guilty or not. This isn't about putting up a righteousness defense and how they're a horrible idiot of a person. That's not coming to terms quickly. Coming to terms quickly is saying, I'm sorry that I've offended you. I I hurt you. I love you. I care about you. You know when you do that, you know what happens with Satan's darts? They just get extinguished. They're just extinguished. You come to term quickly. Romans 14, 13 says, Therefore let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. So I don't want to be hindrance to anybody because I'm stubborn, right? And if I'm being stubborn and won't forgive, that's sin on my part. That's sin. Put a, we, we, we put stumbling blocks when we try to argue about the offense. When we argue, which they have no right to be upset. They shouldn't be upset. That's putting a stumbling block. Now, now here, what does Jesus do here, though? There's reconciliation. 
he takes us a step further. He says, if someone has issues with you, you go and make it right with them. You go to them. Now, the context here, once again, is your brothers and sisters in Christ. Because what do you have to do with, with somebody who's not a follower of Christ? They don't understand forgiveness because they've never been forgiven of their sins. They don't understand biblical forgiveness. But if you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, do you understand biblical forgiveness? Well, you should. And if you don't, I hope you do after today. You have to remember how much what? Christ has forgiven you from. So you don't go and wait on them. You go to them and make it right. You do the right thing. Well, yeah, but Pastor Jeff, you just don't understand some of the people that I have to deal with. You don't understand how horrible these people are. Just refer back to the first part of the sermon. Remember how much God's forgiven you from. Because biblically, you're all horrible people. And you have a horrible pastor biblically. Hope you understand that. Because we're sinners. And we have a sin nature. And none of us are Jesus. Right? So we have to remember how much we've been forgiven from. And when you remember how much you've been forgiven from in your life, you know what starts to happen with forgiveness? It starts becoming easier. It starts becoming a lot easier to forgive somebody when you remember how much you've been forgiven from. Listen, I'm telling you this morning, if you don't do this, it absolutely will affect you. It affects your worship, and it affects your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a way that Satan attacks. He attacks. So what does he say? Go and be reconciled. He says, leave your offering and go. Well, what, what if they're not open to reconciliation? What then? Well, Scripture tells us again. Romans 12, 18, it says, If it is possible, as much it depends on you, live in peace with others. So, if they don't want to be reconciled, you still live at peace with people. You still live in peace. That's, that's what we're commanded to do. The, some people are not going to be open to this. Does that mean that we shouldn't attempt to make amends and have forgiveness from one another? No. No. Scripture tells us again, Romans chapter 12, next few verses, 19 through 21. It says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, and I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For, for by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So what's that mean? You treat them with kindness and love. You bake them a pie. I fully expect to have about 20 pies in my house this afternoon. If you need to be reconciled to me, bring them over. That's what you do. You do that. You treat them with kindness and love. You don't spit on them with your words. You don't have hatred for them. You love them. You treat them like you would your best friend. Man, Jesus just hammers down here, doesn't he? We're to do everything within our power to be reconciled with another person. And then you know what? We just trust God. We let him deal with it. If they are the ones who say, no, I'm done with them. I don't want to ever talk to you again. Okay, we still treat them with kindness. And you let God deal with them. That's, that's what our responsibility is. You know, in Matthew chapter 5, we talked about this a few weeks ago. In verse 9, Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers 
for they shall be called children of God. What are peacemakers? They're the ones who share the ministry of reconciliation, right? They share how people can be forgiven from their sins. You know what Jesus didn't say? He didn't say peacekeepers. What is a peacekeeper? A peacekeeper is somebody who avoids confrontation at all costs to maintain peace. There are some people, I would say the vast majority of you, that do not like confrontation. So if, if a brother or sister offends you, you're like, well, I'm not a confrontational person, and so I don't want to have the conversation. I just want to don't de- I won't deal with it, and I just won't talk to him anymore. Just because your personality may say you don't like com- confrontation, Jesus didn't put a side footnote in there that says, well, go and have a conversation with them, but only if you're good with confrontation. He doesn't say that. So we can't do that. What that's doing is excusing away our responsibility. We're not peace. We're not, we're not peacekeepers. We're peacemakers. There's a difference. A peacemaker goes in love and shares the message of reconciliation. You reconcile with one another. God is the way that we do this. God is not willing that anyone should perish. But we don't compromise truth for a relationship. God seeks reconciliation, but not at the expense of truth. Too often we live our lives in regret. Well, if I'd only done this. Just be loyal to what God would have us to do. And then leave the rest to God. Just leave it to Him. Listen, how we approach those who we offended is also very, very important. How are we supposed to approach those that we have offended? With what? Humility. Being humble. It's okay when kids scream and cry. You've never been to my house on a day? Not anymore. Well, sometimes they scream and cry because they have to live with me. And they have to be reconciled with me, right? You, you approach people with humility. Listen, if, if ever, can you imagine if everybody approached everyone else with humility? Remember Paul's words, as much as it depends on you, live in peace with others. So here's the question. Are there people in your life that you need to go and make amends for and ask forgiveness from? Listen, when you do that, you open yourself up to a freedom. Oh, man. That God is working and you're reconciled and you forgive one another. Maybe you're here this morning. Listen, you may be here this morning. You don't have forgiveness in your heart because you've never been had the experience of having forgiveness from the Lord Jesus Christ. And you need to put your faith and trust in Him and be forgiven from Him. And He removes your sins as far as the east is from the west. You know, I grew up with one sibling. I had a sister. Oh, my sister was ornery. Well, I was ornery in her, but she was ornery too. But my sister, she was a lot better than me, actually. But uh, there, there were times where brothers and sisters, they fight, right? They do. We, we're, we fight. I remember one time my sister got me in a lot of trouble. I'll tell this story. Some of you know it. But she was a teenager, 13, maybe 12, 13 in here, Sydney. Sydney's age. I'm... Hunter's age. Imagine no cell phones then, teenagers, ladies. You wrote notes in class to one another, and you wrote notes and the notes, right? My sister had it was a, she's a, a banker now, so she's a good note taker, and she had a shoebox full of notes, and there was some important note about some boy or something, and we were at home, mom and dad were gone, and I grabbed that note, and I ran through the house with that note, and I a little bit faster than her, and I ran into my room and I slammed the door. 
and I held myself up against that door. Because my parents, we didn't have locks on our door, so I mean, I knew my sister's coming. And she ran into that door, and she should, she should have been on a police SWAT team. Because that door, <laughs> boom, the door rips off the frame. Laying on the floor, and I'm standing face to face with my sister. And she grabs that note out of my hand and says, let me have my note. She just storms back to her room, and I'm like, what am I going to do with this door? I'm just... You just tore the door down. She goes, I don't care. You had my note. She goes back to her room, and I'm like, I'm in serious trouble. And I, I only have a couple hours, and I have the toolbox out, and I'm trying to put the door back in the frame. And I'm literally Hunter's age, right? And, and I made a mistake, kids. Dad gets home from work. He walks in the door, and he says, how was your guys' day? And I said, whoa, it's great, Dad. We had a great day. And he said, well, good. And, and he said, why is my toolbox out? And about the time he said that, the door goes, and he crashes on the floor. And I was in trouble. I was in trouble. But me and my sister would fight, but I want to tell you, there's nothing in this world that I wouldn't do for my sister, right? I love my sister because she's family, right? She's my family. I love my family. I'll always be there. I want you to think about this. When I baptize somebody, when I baptize you next week, when I take him down, I'm going to say, I baptize you, my brother. Or I baptize you, my sister. Because Jesus puts a higher priority on the relationships that you have in here than your own blood family. So you think about that. We think, we don't, we, it's so hard for us to understand that concept. These are your brothers and sisters in Christ. And there should be nothing in this world that you would keep from having reconciliation and peace with. Right? I want you to think about that. If there is this morning, your worship's being affected by not forgiving, by holding grudges. If there's people that you need to go talk to, you go talk to them. Now, you know who they are if you have them because they're coming to your mind right now. And you're probably thinking, Jeff, why are you preaching me out in this sermon? I'm not preaching you out. The Holy Spirit is right now. That's the truth. Whether it depends on you, live in peace. You go and ask forgiveness. You ask them to forgive you. And then it's removed as far as the east is from the west. Just like Jesus did. If you don't, your relationship is being affected. How do I know? You avoid them. You won't talk to them. We don't want a church body with Satan attacking because of unforgiveness. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning and have the worship team to come. It's a hard standard. These are hard truths. First question, have you asked forgiveness of your sins to Christ? Have you asked him to come into your life and be your Lord and Savior? If you haven't, that's where forgiveness starts. Second, have you forgiven yourself? Have you turned loose from your past? Jesus died for your sins. How many times? Once. Don't keep going back. And right now, are there people here that you need to get out of your seat? Listen to me. Get out of your seat and go to your brother and sister and get down and pray with them right now. If you have people and you don't, don't sing the song because Jesus doesn't want you to worship until you do that. If there's a line of people that are upset with me, please make the line and we'll get it taken care of. It's a good possibility. He doesn't want unforgiveness in our hearts and our lives. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for our time this morning.
in all things, Lord, we, we can only point to you and, Lord, how much you've forgiven us from. Can't even fathom, Lord, um, that you would come die for us. And so, uh, it's, 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 it's an amazing, amazing thing of love and grace and forgiveness. And, God, I know you're the standard. And so this morning I pray, God, that we are a church that doesn't let Satan attack us with this, that we are... Um, we're strong in who you are. We forgive one another. We love one another. And Lord, in all things, you be glorified and honored. It's in your name I pray. Amen.
Amen. I want to thank you guys for coming today. So this one asks, Alan, would you do me a favor? Would you uh, thank, shake hands today as we're leaving? I, I got a very quick meeting I'm going to have before business meeting starts. Uh, it'll start in about 10 minutes. So Alan's going to, if I, if I didn't get to shake your hand this morning, I'm glad you were here. I'm glad you were here and come back uh, and, and worship with us. Here's the benediction, Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. I added a verse to this. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. All goes back to his forgiveness. Ace, would you close us in prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for another opportunity, Lord, that I get to serve you. Lord, uh, help us stay humble this week, Lord. Help us give all of our problems to you, not just some of them. Help us to forgive each other. Help us not to uh, put nobody down but build them up. Lord, I love and praise you, and I'm thankful for everything that you've did in my life. And I just ask that you continue to bless us. I love and praise you. It's in your wonderful name I pray. Amen.